Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. And fam, this is the uh, this is the self-quarantined hour. Uh, in keeping with the CDC's recommendation that you don't leave your home, I said, oh, hell yeah, I hate leaving home. Let's do the show remotely this week. Uh, and we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on in Flyerland, so let's get it started. Let's lead it off with... TheAthletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. So yeah, this uh, this coronavirus is is a thing, um, and it's continuing to only get more prevalent in sports. Uh, I I guess like I don't know, you know, we we all podcast. I I cover the team. I guess we just kind of at this point have to act like the season is going to go on as scheduled and the playoffs are going to happen and we should still just talk about this team as if, you know, everything is going to go according to plan, even though that very well might not happen. And it's just, it, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in a weird, really weird place right now with regards to how I feel about the Flyers because I just don't know what's going to happen next with all this stuff. I honestly think the worst thing that could possibly happen is that sort of like in Ohio and where the county where San Jose plays, um, the idea that politicians, governments might put out actual bans on large gatherings, which means that fans could not attend these games, in which case I can only assume that the NHL will just play games to empty arenas on television. Yeah. So, like, the games will still yeah. be there, and we can still watch them. Um, it's just going to be crappy for people like you who kind of need to watch a little bit more closely than normal people but I think I don't think we have to worry about this like ending the season I don't think it's gonna get that bad I hope. no I don't think uh, I don't think this is gonna lead to like cancellations or delays but I do think it could very well lead to the empty arena thing which is yeah. Man, I did not think this was going to get to this point. I was Me neither. Uh, I mean, anyone who listened to post game last night and is listening right now, my voice does not sound good. I got ill on a plane or I guess coming home or going to Clearwater, whatever the hell happened. I have been assured it is not coronavirus, but since there are similar symptoms, people don't want to be around someone hacking up a lung right now, <laughs> obviously. So we chose to do the show remotely, but Man, I chose to just kind of laugh this off as it was happening and be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be just like fucking Zika and Ebola, right? And it's like, oh, no, this is just, this is something else. This is uh, something that is to be taken seriously, apparently. And it's really blown up in the last couple of days. And just having, you know, seen a doctor, like every, all the rates of people contracting this virus. Here's the thing. No one actually knows because no one can get tested. The number of people who have been and are able to be tested, it's it's so low. It's unbelievable. Like, what they're charging people, I saw today, 
like in Seattle, it's like five hundred to a grand to get tested what if you have insurance down there. Like, yeah, like that's in Seattle, like a thousand bucks, and that's with insurance. Like in Molokka Hill, where I went to the doctor, they're like, "Listen, it's not Corona, but if you wanted to get tested, we don't have the kits." So uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's 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 a serious thing right now, and. It, the NCAA, I, we can get into this now. First, uh, Kelly Hinkle, I want to introduce Hello. you before we actually start this top topic. Oh, my hot take was going to be about hockey, which I feel like it's just out of place right now. Uh, I have we to... can get you, your hot take fits in with like our next, uh, our actual hockey stuff. Why okay. does it make sense to cover this at the top? Because it is like the lead story in the world right now, yeah. and it is directly affecting uh, the sports world, and hockey's going on. We're looking into the playoffs like, oh. There's going to be empty arena playoff games, and now it's like, well, this is going to affect the players' escrow. Don't expect the cap to go up. Like, <laughs> of course, of course this is going to somehow hurt my Tory Krug dream. That's what's going to happen, <laughs> is it's going to kill my Tory Krug dream. I have to say, giving up Twitter for Lent, like, I, I was telling Charlie before the show, I didn't realize that all of my earthly information comes from Twitter, because I literally have no idea what's going on. Like, I'm finding out from other people who are on Twitter that, like, oh, shit's actually bad. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. I've just been living my life. Logging off is weird and scary. Um, but to get to the Flyers, first of all, it would be extremely Flyers for them to go into the playoffs, the favorite to win the Stanley Cup, and, like, no one can watch it, and it might possibly not happen. <laughs> like, that would be the most Flyers way for this to end up. But... I will preface this by saying that I am still extremely high on and positive about this team. But somehow that one loss to Boston and a couple of injuries to not terribly key players. And I'm like, oh, no, is it is it beginning? That's there are some things to be concerned about. And we will get to those. I do want to meant like back to the coronavirus thing just for a second, like. The uh, the NCAA has announced that like March Madness that's going to be in empty arenas. That's like, wild. That's that's a major. That's that's not just a random game on a Tuesday night. That ain't Flyers Devils in Newark. Like we're talking about the Final Four here, yeah. a tent pole of like America. Like that's Americana right there. The Philly St. Patty's Day parade is canceled. So there's a lot of shit. There's a lot of shit to take into account right now. Um, I. Man, I think, Charlie, you tweeted a little while ago, like, Flyers fans, this is just a bummer because we've been waiting how long for a team that's worth paying to go see, and now <laughs> it might come down to you're actually not allowed. Like, God damn it, for real? Yeah, it is. It stinks. It really does stink that, you know, everything is justifiably getting overshadowed by this because, as I tweeted, like, we waited so long for a team to be good, and, you know, it's not like I think, like, it's going to destroy the Flyers. Like, worst, the, the absolute worst-case scenario, I presume, is that, you know, for whatever reason, they have to cancel the season, and then we're just back at this next year when this whole thing's gone, which would stink. But, like, this was never, like, the year for the Flyers. This was always them kind of getting... Well... Well, for Kelly, maybe. <laughs> for Kelly, every year is the year for the Flyers, which makes it even more painful when it's not. But, seriously, like, this, this is kind of them arriving ahead of schedule. Uh, so it's not, you know, this is, let me put it this way. It's not like you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning have went all in on winning this year because they're going to have to blow up their team at the end of the season. And if they don't even get a chance 
to you know to 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 take their shot at winning a championship. I mean, looking at it purely from a sports perspective, perspective that's devastating for the Flyers. They're positioned fairly well. It's just you know it's 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 bizarre. It's bizarre. It's it's something that I don't think any of us really expected even just a few weeks ago. And now you know you're in a position where there's a decent chance that you know. I mean, I'll probably still be going to these games because I don't think they're going to kick the media out. You know, they're just they're, we're just going to be up in the press box at an empty arena watching hockey, and I'll still analyze the games and I'll talk about you know what how the players did and the plays that happen and you know the trends and whatnot. So you know, as long as there's games going on, I'm going to have stuff to write about. But man, at the same that time, that is just the yeah that that visual to me is just like we've all been up in the press box. It's so high up. And, like, to think that there would be nothing yeah, yeah. between you guys and then the fucking ice is so surreal. I mean, I have been to a Florida Panthers game up in the press box. So. <laughs> ah, I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll do the joke that everyone's told. Everybody just leaning into the Florida Panthers jokes. Like, people are going nuts about the Riley Smith making that comment, basically. Uh, well, what did he say? Night. Riley Smith, they asked him about playing in an empty arena, and he was like, well, I played for the Florida Panthers for a few years, so, like... <laughs> What are you going to do? But everybody in sports has been making, like, Katie Nolan made that joke on her show a few nights ago. So, Amazing. like, I, I, I called it only mildly amusing. Mildly amusing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, like, come pick someone else. Pick a different team. What did Florida Panthers ever do to anybody? Well, I think, yeah. I, I think Evan Longoria went with the, the Rays. So, that's a different team. You know, the Trop. The Trop is always pretty empty, Tampa Bay. Kelly, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Did, did you guys? I'm sure. Charlie got real quiet for a second. Did you guys lose me? Because I'm here. Uh, yeah, he's still maybe. quiet. I, he's quiet for me too. But all right, I thought I turned my volume down. But uh, all right, so I want to get to my take, and then we're actually going to talk some flyers now. So uh, I just want to say I want to wish uh, a happy birthday to Travis Konechny and a happy 311 day to all of you out there. I know that everybody is such a big 311 uh, 311 fan that you have to just have to put it out there definitely isn't something that has scorn and derision sent my way because it's like yeah you never lived in the 90s either i guess uh so so the streak is over uh they played well in defeat but now i think we've established we believe this team to be very good and something that started to come up on uh, on post game a little bit has been okay now we know the team is good we know what they're good at and we've enjoyed just kind of peacocking around a little bit. The people who stuck with the team and said, no, what they're going to be is this. And when they get some center depth, when they get some goaltending, they'll be good. All right, we have those things now. And look, uh, they're almost at the top of their division. Now people are asking, what is this? what are the team's weaknesses? How will playoff opponents look to attack them? I just want to ask, what do you think the number one thing uh, that could hurt the Flyers from here through whatever they're going to do in the playoffs, what do you think their biggest weakness is right now? Well, when you say right now, do you mean right now as in at this current moment, or do you mean assuming that the guys who are expected to be back for the first round of the playoffs are back? Assuming that they have Phil Myers and maybe even JVR back. Okay, that works. Because I was going to say, if that's the case, then there there are clear weaknesses just because those two guys are pretty darn valuable. Um, assuming those guys are back, which their timelines do line up to, I think Myers' timeline lines up to being back for game one. JVR's timeline is more like, well, he'll probably be back at some point in round one. 
you know, these yeah. guys are hockey players. I think there's probably a decent chance he would be ready for game one, but we'll see. Um, to me, the uh, the weakness is obvious because it's the weakness that I, you know, thought was their biggest weakness going into the trade deadline, which is they really don't have a third line center. I mean, right now they're using Derek Grant as a third line center. He's been okay, but when he's going up against, you know, Tampa, Boston, Pittsburgh, you know, Washington in a series, I don't know. That's probably somewhere that can be exploited because the Flyers, unfortunately, set up their team, assuming Nolan Patrick was going to be their third-line center, and he hasn't been able to play and still is not out of the practice phase yet. So not exactly super optimistic that he's going to be ready at this point because he hasn't jumped into contact or done anything in the AHL yet. Um, so yeah, to me, that's their biggest roster weakness. That's why I was so excited about the possibility of them maybe being able to snatch up Pajot. Obviously, the Islanders outbid them at a price that I don't think any of us would have been super comfortable with them bidding. Uh, but that, to me, is their that's their biggest weakness because they really don't have a classic third-line center. It's, you know, Derek Grant, Scott Lawton. Uh, basically, those two are your, pretty much your primary options if Patrick can't come back. And we're going to get into, I guess, this all kind of, since you bring up, you know, the depth and the injuries with all this stuff. How do you think they should set this thing up right now? Like, to me, I always thought it was going to end up being Derek Grant at 4C and Nate Thompson to the press box. Now Thompson is out, and they're figuring some things out, and they have other injuries. But with Farabee back now, do you think it would be best to use Lawton at 3C? Or how do you think they should put this thing together? It's tough to say just because Grant has been good. So it might be it's one of those things where you don't want to necessarily have him lose the job until he, you know, proves that he deserves to lose it, especially now that Thompson's out because now you got to call Connor Bunham and replace him in the, you know, in the here and now. I still like the idea of Lawton at third line center the best out of all the I guess realistic options they have. Um but Grant's played well enough that you know, if he's the third line center, I, I can accept it. I just, I don't, I, I would love him at fourth line center. I would really, really like him at fourth line center. I like Lawton more at third line center because I think he brings more speed to the table. And I like the, you know, the chemistry he had with, uh, I like the chemistry he actually had with JVR. Um, obviously, it's not a guarantee JVR would be back for the first round, but if, if JVR was, I like that chemistry. I just like that Lawton can kind of do it all. Um, whereas I feel like I would feel a lot more comfortable with Granite at 4C, but again, injuries, the way things things are going to play out, it's just, it's tough to know. Kelly, what, what, what do you think has been the, uh, the fly is the Flyers biggest weakness right now? I would think in the playoffs, the thing that might get exploited the most is I don't think that the third pair is going to be a super strong defensive pair. Um, it's, it's going to be Robert Hagen, someone, and I, I'm not super confident about that matchup against you know some of the best offenses in the league and then also realistically Carter Hart is not a playoff tested goaltender we have no idea what he's going to do in a seven game series with a ton of pressure on him I mean the way that he's played so far leads us to believe that he's going to be just fine and everything will continue as it is but he's not a playoff tested goaltender you don't know what's going to happen um so that is kind of a question mark i think but that last defensive pair it makes me think back to 2010 and how that the biggest hole on that team was their third pair every time it was on the ice it was terrifying i don't think it's that bad this season but it's still not great and i worry about it a bit 
Yeah, I would say, like, the 2010 third pair, I think they have better depth on the blue line than they did then. Yeah. Obviously, no Chris Pronger to lean on for half the game. Better than Parent and Krejcik, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think with Myers healthy, though, like, that was a much different thing. I know yeah. we're assuming, say, Myers comes back, but it looked like they're going to have a real good top four to yeah. lean on. Yeah. And now, looking at the way the ice time was distributed last night, they have a top three. The coach gave uh, Braun and Ghost like 16-ish minutes, and Haig played around 13. And the top three, uh, you know, Provorov, Niskanen, and Sanheim, all got over 20. So it's going to be kind of like, with Myers in the lineup, I know Myers hasn't been a stud this season, but I really thought he was starting to come in into his own. I really liked the way that that Sanheim pair was starting to gel. And uh, losing him for this amount of time is just... It is, I think, a weakness because of the way they're going to use their defensemen. But if he does come back, that's great, and it does open up the possibility. Uh, well, it, o- it opens up an opportunity for Shane Gostisbehere, yeah. who we saw last night make his return. Uh, Myers is out, what is it, four to six weeks? He's out for four weeks. Four weeks, okay. So Ghost makes his return last night. He starts out on the third pair with uh, with Robert Haig. What did we see? He played 16-13. Uh, 10 seconds fewer than Braun, almost three more minutes than Haig. Somehow he didn't record a shot on goal. That was surprising to me because I thought he looked dangerous for a lot of the night. Uh, Did have a couple of attempts, one block, and it was a big one uh, that in the crease play to stop a goal, the kick save he made, uh, drew a penalty in the first period. What did you think of Ghost's return? I thought he was really, really good. Um, maybe really, really good is a little bit too far because he wasn't, you know, vintage ghost scoring goals and making offensive plays like crazy. But I, I think he was about as good as could be reasonably expected considering the way his season has went, which is impactful in the sense of making smart plays to push the play up ice and looking all the while, in my mind, like a legitimate top four NHL defenseman. You know, he certainly didn't look like 2017-18 ghost or rookie year ghost. But at this point, what I want from him is I just want him to be good. Like I'm not, I'm not expecting greatness. I want him to be good, and he met all of my expectation, or not even my expectation, but all of my hopes in that game. And you know, Kelly mentioned about the third pair being a weakness, and I agree. You know, with the way it's likely to set up for for game one of the playoffs, it could be. But one of the one of the exciting parts, if you even want to use the word exciting, about Myers going down, is that it does give Ghost the chance to reestablish himself in the lineup and play well enough to make it clear that he shouldn't come out of the lineup. Because I've always had the opinion that the best top six that you could put together for the playoffs in terms of, of plausible upside, it had to include Ghost. Now, I got it that, that you know, people, you know, they would have had to keep Hagen in the lineup because the goal results were so good and because he was doing everything he could do in his role, and that's fine. But to me, you know, a, a Haig-Braun third pair is a weakness in the playoffs. If yeah. Ghost is playing like, doesn't even have to be playing like himself. If he's just playing like a decent second pair defenseman, you know, a Ghost Braun or a Ghost Myers third pair, to me, that's not a weakness. To me, if, if, Ghost, is, if Ghost is playing 80% of, of his ceiling, that becomes a strength. And I don't think any third pair that includes Robert Haig I would ever consider to be a strength in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I you're not wrong. And I... Also, I missed the the first period and a bit of the second because apparently they were playing this game on fast forward. Um, but 
from what I saw of Ghost, I was surprised not because of how poorly he had been playing before he went out, but just because he's been out for so long that I kind of thought that he would take a couple of games to get right back into it, but I thought he looked great. Yeah, no, I, he he looked like he was cutting it loose a little bit. I was happy. I was definitely happy with what I saw from Ghost. I thought, honestly, it was the best he's looked all season just yeah. in terms of looking dangerous with the puck and looking confident uh, the whole time he's out there. He looked like he knew what he was doing. You couldn't see him thinking, and I think that's real important for a guy who depends on his a- athleticism to go out and make plays. Uh, my argument for keeping Haig in the lineup was always – not so much the goal results, because, listen, I, I know you're winning games, you're scoring goals, you stick with what's working, but it was always that. He, at one point, was just better at what he was doing than Ghost was at what Ghost does. But the minute Ghost looks like he can do what he's supposed to do, he's just a better hockey player, yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah. He just didn't look like that for a lot of this season. This is a great opportunity for him to earn his minutes. People kept saying, like, oh, how, how can he earn his ice time if he doesn't get any? Because, you know, there's six defensemen ahead of him. Keep being a professional and take advantage of your opportunity. Phil Myers coming out of the lineup is unfortunate for the team, but it's an opportunity for Shane Goss bear, and it could be an opportunity for the team to have a better player in the lineup come the playoffs. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I hope last night's game was a building block. We've talked about those types of games a lot this season. Like, oh, Ghost showed this and Ghost showed that. Maybe he's coming out of it. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I hope so. Because that type of weapon, man, that's like that's a goal you're going to need at some point. The thing he can do for you is it's just one goal you're going to need at some point in a seven-game series. I hope he's back. Uh, so we also touched on the, uh, the Thompson injury. So Bunneman is back up. I don't know. Uh, I was starting. Thompson was starting to grow on me the last two games. He looked like he's starting to get his legs under him a little bit. I saw him win some races to pucks. Uh, he just looked a little bit more lively, a little bit more engaged the last few games before this knee injury. How do you think this affects things down the middle? I mean, he hasn't been bad, like actively bad to the eye. But if I'm remembering correctly, his underlying numbers aren't super great. And also, I think, I mean, like, he's been in the league long enough that we know what Nate Thompson is. And I don't think, as Charlie said, that's the guy that you want centering your fourth line starting the playoffs. Um, I'm not sure it's Connor Bunneman either. But when Bunneman was up here for that stretch, he that fourth line looked pretty good. So, Yeah, I, I mean, Thompson, I think, has been okay. He certainly, he certainly showed me in the games that he's played that if he has to come in to the lineup in the playoffs, I'm not going to be terrified. Like if if there was a situation where Chris Stewart had to play in a playoff game, I would be terrified. If there was a situation where Mikhail Vorobiev had to play in a playoff game, I would be terrified. If there's a situation where where Nate Thompson has to come in, I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. Not ideal, but that's fine. And and I came in not quite sure if he would even qualify as that. So I haven't I let me put it this way. I think the reason why that fourth line is has still been good since Thompson was at it, it's not because of Nate Thompson. It's because no, Nick, yeah, it's, it's because it's, Nick Albeki Bell is playing great and because Michael Roffel's playing pretty darn good too. But yeah. Nate Thompson isn't dramatically dragging them down either. So you look at it and you say, all right, if it gets to the point where Nate Thompson has to center those two guys, he's 
he's not underwhelming enough to make their what makes them good to drag that whole thing down, which makes me feel good because you need guys like that, especially if you're if you're if you have designs on making a long playoff push. Guys are going to get hurt. Things are going to happen. You're going to need those plug-and-play guys. So I've liked that from Thompson, and it sucks to hear that he got hurt because I'm sure he's still getting used to this team as well. I'm sure he's still getting used to the system. And, you know, the, the original timeline was two weeks, but according to the Flyers, it was like a two-week minimum. So he could be okay. out. He could be out longer than that. This could this could be a something that even lingers through the end of the regular season. Hopefully, it doesn't for his sake. Because again, I don't think he's been bad, and it's always good to have that depth. But uh, but this isn't necessarily one of those deals that he'll be right back in 14 days. It seemed you know fairly not like super serious, but you know he he had that injury. I think he suffered it in the first period. He was up against Andre Kasha and seemed to twist his knee and played through it the rest of the game, but apparently it was more serious than he let on. Um, yeah, I, I I still think, I, I Kelly, I think I agree with you in that I, I prefer Bunneman, but I'm also with you in that I'm not sure either of them are the ideal answer, which is part of the reason why I kind of like the idea of Derek Grant at fourth line center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I prefer Bunneman in all things. All things, if they had their lineup set, like maybe neither Grant nor Thompson are in this lineup, but... Uh, I, I do like Grant at 4C. It's going to be interesting to see how they work this out. But, again, this is oppor- it's, it sucks for Thompson. It's opportunity for Bunneman. He wasn't playing poorly enough to get sent down. I don't think uh, just his play warranted being sent down. But they acquired two veterans. One of them plays his position. He comes out of the lineup. They send him down. Now he gets a chance to prove that was a mistake and uh, you know maybe earn himself this roster spot heading into the playoffs. Listen, Kelly, you talked about the bad luck. That's what I wanted to get into with these injuries. Obviously, they lost JVR a couple of games ago. Now Myers is out, then Thompson. I really thought, and, like, I know this is shitty because it's so much bigger than than hockey, but, like, I I thought kind of our bad luck was going to be the fucking terrible luck of Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick to a lesser degree, and now these things are starting to add up. I realize, you know, they're not related. But, like, God damn it! now we're losing these guys, too? We're already shorthanded. Yeah, it's just, I mean, like, this is the kind of stuff that happens this time of the year. And I guess we probably forgot because it's been a little while since we've really been pushing yeah. towards the playoffs in a meaningful way. Um, I'm not super worried about it, but like you said, it just kind of puts that little... That little bit of doubt, like I was so, like I'm so, I am very sure that this team's going to end up second in the Metro. They're absolutely making the playoffs. Like that's not a question anymore, but it's still, it just, I worry so much that everything has to go perfectly for this thing to stretch out as long as we want it to. And obviously losing JVR, not perfect. Um, Losing Phil Myers, not great, especially since, like you said, that Sandheim-Myers pair is great. It's just, I don't know, I, I could have done without it, to be honest. I could have done without it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and you, Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, the Myers the Myers injury stinks, obviously. The, uh, you know, the Thompson injury, you just never like to see guys get hurt, especially when they're still adapting to a new team. You're still trying to get a handle on what they actually are. To me, the JVR injury was the biggest one. And that's yeah. just that's just because, like, look, I, I know it allows you to get Farabee back in the lineup, and that's good because Farabee's a good player. But I, I think there was a path to Farabee getting back in the lineup even without JVR getting hurt, and that, to me, was ideal because the Flyers right now are, are in a situation where— like, look, 
I still like their depth because they can roll four lines. You know, all the lines play the system. All the lines can forecheck. All the lines constantly put pressure on the other team. But the truth is, is that right now you're rolling with what? A third line of Scott, was it? It's Lawton, Grant, Pitlick, right? Yeah. That's, that, to me, that's a fourth line. So that's an awesome fourth yeah, line. Yeah, so your third line is now a fourth line. Which, they've been like, playing well, though, right? Yeah, like, they've, been, they've been fine. But my point is, is like, you put JVR on any third line, even if you got a guy like Pitlick on it, and suddenly that line is a dangerous offensive line. Because that's the ability that JVR has, is that his, his niche, what he's made, where he kind of fell in in Toronto, was, I'm going to be the guy that plays the easier matchups on line three, maybe he doesn't get a ton of minutes, but just feasts on them. And having him on a third line immediately turns that third line into a scoring line. And you lose him, and now you're looking at basically having two fourth lines. And they're two damn good fourth lines, but it's still two fourth lines. And that that hurts. It hurts because then you're then you're leaning extra on your top six. And to the Flyers' credit, the top six has been damn good. You know, aside from last night when they, they just couldn't buy a goal, you know, the top six has been damn good, but it was I, I think it was one of, one of the commenters on my my article after after last night's game was basically like I know he's not super physical but it just felt like this was a game where they missed JVR and I agree I, I you know you're relying now more heavily on your top six to carry the load scoring wise and this did that did feel like a game where you know maybe JVR creates something because he's on the third line and you know you have Katuri's having to spend all of his time shutting down Bergeron. Then they switched it up where they put Pasternak on the second lines, and then Hayes had to deal with him. So now you've got your top six isn't spending all of its time trying to create. It's spending its time trying to shut down their really good players. If you have JVR on the third line, maybe he goes out there and he's the one who takes advantage of the fact that your bottom six might be better than their bottom six. Without him, you're just kind of skating around, forechecking, working hard, and hoping that a bounce goes your way. And it just it just adds to the kind of the variance of the team and last night was an example of I think the top six being understandably more concerned about shutting down you know and nullifying the best players on Boston who are freaking awesome and the bottom six maybe couldn't quite chip in with the offense they needed to it did seem like they made uh they made an attempt to get the fourth line out a little bit against Bergeron I thought it looked like Thompson had a few shifts out there with him and uh I don't know, it kind of made me feel good that they moved Pasternak away from Couturier. Oh, it made me feel like, great. It made me yeah. feel like a that, hell of a compliment for Couturier. Just, no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just, like, watching that game last night, I realized what happened. Uh, and listen, it's not like they got shut out by some random goalie having a great night. Like, Tuka Rask could very well have four of those in a seven-game series, and you're going home. But, damn, man, watching that game last night, if the Flyers have... Two games where they're like two for five on the power play in a uh, seven-game series against Boston. They're winning that series. Boston could not handle the Flyers' physicality. They could not handle their forecheck, their neutral zone pressure. They were turning pucks over like crazy. They played like shit in the first two periods. That makes... Actually, that... Charlie's made me think of something. I wonder if it might... If this is a long-term thing... Um, having these third and fourth lines together with JVR out, if he's going to be out in the first round, I'm wondering if it might be a good idea for them to do something like Boston did with Pasternak and move one of the better top six players 
down onto the third line if you're expecting that the top two lines are going to be suffocated by the other team. I don't know. I'm just Let's do it. Now. First yeah. line, Michael Raffle all over again, <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, first, line, the, first line, Tyler Pittler. That's the concern, though. That's the concern, though, is like you don't want to put yourself in the position where the the really, really good guys are getting dragged down because they're with a guy who just can't score. I, Kelly, I see where you're coming from, and this is, you know, that's one of the things that will be so fascinating if, um, you know, you know, when the Flyers make the playoffs, as long as the playoffs happen the way we think they're going to happen and coronavirus doesn't ruin everything, um, is that we're going to get to see how AV approaches yeah. the playoffs. You know, I know he's obviously been in the playoffs before. This isn't his first rodeo. But we're going to get to see how he strategically approaches matchups in the postseason. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope we get to see it. But, yeah, that's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, one thing that's cool about the Flyers and the way they can – the way that one of the one of the easy tweaks they can make, which is a really cool one, is and it's because they've tried all these combos, you know, these guys have histories together, they could very easily just swap Jake and TK. And then suddenly yeah. you have the reunion of the Drew Couturier Connecty line, which is just as good, if not better, than the Drew Couturier Voracek line. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I mean, then then you're you maybe you're even stacking that top line even more while you're still putting Jake Voracek on the second line, and then maybe he gets better matchups. So there's a lot of little tweaks they can make, and I'd be fascinated to see what Vino does in a series and what kind of those maneuvers he decides to make. Yeah, I was gonna say that line if TK chooses to shoot is uh is maybe yeah better than the line with Voracek, and that just reminded me that. Charlie, did anyone ask about what the fuck Scott Lawton was thinking on that shorthanded attempt last night? Yeah, yeah, he was asked, and he kind of was just like, yeah, I, I screwed up. It's, it's really all you can say, you know. Yeah. No, I know. I was just he like, screwed up. <laughs> God damn it, dude. You're one on oh with the goalie. Shoot the puck. Shoot it. Try to bounce it off of his skate. Skate yeah. into him. Do like a, the kid who can't stop from a... From Mighty Duck. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Luis Wu? Mendoza? Or, or no, Luis Mendoza. Kenny Wu yeah. was, the, was the figure skater. Like, God damn it. Something. <laughs> that just drove me freaking insane. All right. What we're going to do, because um, we're not in studio and I don't have, like, Steph here yelling at me, break, break. We're going to pause for an ad break and we'll be right back on the other side with some, uh, I'm going to talk some Carter Hart and then some other news from around Flyerland. Okay, we are back, and man, you should really get on using that product or service. All right, guys. So <laughs> we're gonna not. Be I really, it's 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 just it cracks me up. <laughs> it makes me laugh when I say it. Uh, just real quick, Carter Hart last night. I realize he's been awesome. Uh, I didn't love either goal he gave up. I'm willing to give him a pass on the first one. Maybe he just never saw it. That's how he reacted. I still think a point shot glove side. Like you need to come up with that. Uh, didn't tip anything. The second one, that Bergeron one, he knows he needs to stop that. But what are you going to do? Sometimes bad goals go in. You come back with him on Thursday or you go Elliott and then back to uh, back to Hart for the home games? Hmm. Well, well, they're going Elliott on a – they're going Elliott for the Tampa game. Okay. A, a, okay. AV, AV confirmed that today. Okay. Um, and then presumably you're going to do one or the other, you know, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know who would go first. Probably Hart. Hart probably gets the Saturday game, and then Elliot gets the Sunday game. God damn it. Of course he does. I have tickets for Sunday. 
As long as as long as you're allowed in the arena, you have tickets. They um, can't keep me out. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure they can, but hey, you're welcome to try. <laughs> do that. Uh, do that. Uh, what, what's the the meme with the guy at the fence? Where he's just like, "Let me in! Let me in!" <laughs> yeah, I, I say as if I've never been escorted out of somewhere by security. <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, sorry. Where where were we before that? Uh, that little the tangent? goalies. Oh, the goal. The the one part about it that like. I wouldn't say it bothers me because I don't think it's going to hurt the Flyers that much either way. Um, like I, I'm not, I'm not really expecting them to go into Tampa and win this game regardless of who's in goal. But I just, I don't love, I don't love the message it sends because it, it to me, Vino's treading a little bit too close to this idea that Hart is actually bad on the road. Yeah. And I and I I want I want Hart to have all the opportunities in the world to just drive a fucking knife through that narrative because I think it's a bullshit narrative and I just worry that you know not to say he hasn't gotten some road games, you know, he he got the the Florida road game he played well and he got the first Tampa road game where he didn't do that great. He got the Rangers road game, but over the last little bit it does seem a little bit like if it's been a toss-up, Vino has went with Elliot on the road, and I just—it's not—it's not even that like I—I I inherently disagree with the move. I just hate that na- that narrative so much, and I don't want it to become a thing in the playoffs when yeah. ine- when inevitably they're going to have to start hard on the road because you're not going to start Elliot on the road just for reasons in the playoffs. I just—I don't want it to be like you know. He loses game three of the first round. It's, oh, my God, Hart can't win on the road. And it's, well, maybe he could have if – or we wouldn't be talking about this if you would have played him in more big road games in March. Yeah, and the, the way the schedule has broken down where they haven't been on any real road trips lately, so it is like, oh, we need to get Elliot his game. Let's give him that road game. Yeah. Like, it just has kind of worked out that way, but it is like you absolutely see it coming in more to Hart's confidence than anything – Listen, if he had played freaking awesome last night, I would have no problem going to Elliott. But I kind of just want him to be able to erase that thing right away. Uh, I, I don't know. I just uh, see. See, I, th- I think he had. A, I think he had a very good game. Like it's. I think he had a fine game. I, I, I just think, think. Yeah, like he gave up two goals. They took a lot of shots. The first one was through a screen, and yeah, maybe you ideally want him to stop it. The second one was deflected by Sanheim, and yeah, ideally you want him to stop it. But if I mean, what do you have like? 26 saves on 28 shots you know normally yeah. that's good enough to win the game yeah he still had like a 930 save percentage or something which might bring his home numbers down a yeah, bit I'm sure but, it does actually yeah, uh, <laughs> no I, I like it is he is walking a fine line of that like feeding into the narrative and also just well I can't start him every night like which you know, is totally so. true and and, yeah. and that was because I I asked Vino that question today at practice when he announced that Elliot was going to get the start uh, against Tampa, and I basically positioned the question as like I I tried to position it. This is like like not to like toot my own horn, but this is like when you're trying to like do like like ask the question in a way that like he'll ma- answer it. He'll answer it because I kind of positioned it as like us assholes in the media have like overblown this this heart can't play on the road thing, but like. Does that has that impacted your decision to not play hard on the road? That you have this feeling that maybe he's better at home, and Vino was like, "No, that that had nothing to do with it. It had to do with the, the busy schedule and everything." And 
It Maybe it did. Maybe it 100% did. Maybe that didn't enter into his, his thinking at all. But Vino's a smart guy. And I have to believe that even if, even if he doesn't, 100% does not believe that Carter Hart is inherently worse on the road than he is at home, even if he 100% believes that is not the case, he's smart enough to understand and realize that people are going to look at him not starting Carter Hart on the road and think that that was why he decided not to do it. It, like perception matters to a degree and maybe Vino just doesn't give a shit. And if he doesn't, I mean, props to him, but perception matters to a degree, especially in terms of the narratives that are going to be created for the playoffs. I mean, I, if Vino and Hart both know that he has no problem with playing Carter Hart in a road game and it just shook out this way, like, does it actually matter if the, media the stupid media sorry Charlie, is gonna like <laughs> construct narratives around when carter hart plays and when he doesn't like i i feel like that stuff affects us as by us i mean fans more than it should the maybe. players maybe especially if it seems like vino uh more than past coaching staffs we've seen here communicates with his players and I'm assuming that if he feels confident and if he worried that Carter Hart thought that he didn't trust him on the road, he would probably tell him that that wasn't the case. I don't know. I think that's fair. And as I said, like, I am not someone who buys into this Hart is bad on the road thing. I think he's fine on the road. I think it's just the way things have, shake, have, have shaken out this year. I just... I guess part of it too, and maybe I'm not giving Hart enough credit for just how mentally strong he is, but like this is going to be, as you mentioned, his first postseason. And I guess I just, I, I want him to go into the postseason with as little hanging over his head beyond the fact that this is his first Stanley Cup playoffs. And I don't really want like him to have to deal with questions, tons mm. of questions about this home road split thing. And to me, it was like, well, the March games are the perfect time for him to prove how much of a load of shit it is. And so far, he just hasn't gotten those opportunities. Like, he didn't get the opportunity in the Washington game. He's not getting the opportunity here. You know, I guess he'll get one of the two games when they go to Dallas and Nashville. So that'll be an opportunity. Both those teams are pretty good. Um, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not like he's getting... This, to me, would have been a big game for him. But again, the schedule's busy, so... I'll give Vigneault the benefit of the doubt. So, since we're talking so much Elaine Vigneault, let's jump ahead to the Jack Adams. Suddenly, his name is being bandied about quite a bit uh, in terms of the Coach of the Year award. Elaine Vigneault, obviously, this team has, you know, missed the playoffs last year. They've been on the playoff bubble the last few. Now, suddenly, they're fighting for the division, um, playing a really strong style of hockey. They have a great goal differential, which even in years that they made the playoffs, was not always the case. They seem to have turned the corner under Elaine Vigneault. He has a real case to be, to be the Jack Adams winner. I just want to know who you think the other legit contenders are. Like, I have... Like, I thought Columbus was dead after the Flyers beat them in that uh, in that home-and-home. Home. Well, they're in a wild-card spot right now. If they're in the playoffs, I think it kind of has to be Tortorella yeah. still. See, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've always said that this is the most improved team coach award. And I don't think you can argue against the fact that of the contenders, you've like Sullivan here, Tortorella, 
the Flyers are the team that have made the biggest 180. Like, they are the team that has turned around in a significant way. And if, I don't know, in years past, it just seems like that's how they pick this award. Um, so if that's the metric, I don't know how he doesn't win it. But they really like John Tortorella for some reason. Yeah, and all the play. I mean, all the players they lost in free agency and everything, I get it, to continue to basically be in the same spot they were in, minus Duchesne, minus Bob, minus all the guys they lost, Dezingle, like uh, Panarin. It's, it's, it's a decent amount of players. Like Artemi Panarin's making an MVP case. He's no longer there. They're in a playoff spot. So I get it if it's Tortorella. Looking at the rest of the East... I thought maybe Sullivan, just because Pittsburgh had a bunch of injuries, they were without Crosby for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, well, they're the, supposed to be really good, and the, they the, are. The fact that they're kind of falling off is hurting them. You know, maybe yeah. if they were to go on a run, you know, and storm back up the Metro Division standings, they'd have a shot. He'd have a shot, but I, I think they're gonna. I think they'll be fine, but I don't think he's got as much momentum behind him. Uh, you mentioned David Quinn. That's interesting to me. If the Rangers made the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, they, he is a great case. Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting one to me because they were just so bad last year, and they even were really bad in the first half of the year. And he uh, presumably has done a good job getting them back going again. Um, Torts, I think, is going to have the most momentum if, if Columbus makes the playoffs. I'm just skeptical they will in yeah. the end. Like, I, I still kind of am holding on to this thing that I think the Islanders eventually figure out their shit and get that final spot along, along with Carolina, but you never really know. I kind really of just know. hope not because I don't want to see the Islanders at no. any point. Yeah, yeah. The, the, one, the one guy who you didn't mention, not in the East, but the one guy you don't have on the outline that I think has a shot is, um, is Tippett in, in Edmonton. I debated putting him on here. Uh, I have the Dallas coach, Rick Bonus. Uh, yeah, I, John... I, I, don't, I don't think he has a chance. No? I don't think he's done a very good job at all, actually. I mean, the, the West is just so bad. Like, teams that are in playoff positions are like, yeah, and they'd be in, they'd be in the lottery if they were in the East. But just looking at where they were, and now they're in a different spot. John Hines in Nashville coming on. Uh, looks like they could very well make the playoffs. I think if Paul Maurice gets Winnipeg in, like, listen, yeah. we all picked we all picked Maurice to be out of a job. And looking at all the guys they lost, like, Dustin Bufflin just said, I ain't coming to work no more. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, 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 it's, it's, he's keeping that team together pretty well. Travis Green in Vancouver, maybe. But I think Elaine Vigneault has as good of a shot as anybody. Uh, I just think Tortorella has the narrative advantage if we're going to look at it that way. I would, I would agree that he probably has the narrative advantage and he's already got his, I don't know if you saw today on Twitter that, uh, Cam Atkinson had, uh, torts 2020 shirts printed up for everybody in the blue jackets, uh, locker room. Oh boy. So they're already, they're already campaigning. They're not going to be uh, able to resist that shit. (laughs) So they, they got the jump on everyone from a, uh, from a campaign standpoint. They're going to send you a free shirt, Charlie, to try to buy your vote. Don't know, let it right? happen. <laughs> we need uh we need to get like um instead of that like spitting chicklets vodka, we need to get the uh some sort of gin for for the martinis yeah. that uh Vigno <laughs> is always drinking. He looks like a gin martini guy to me. I don't know why. He's definitely just, drinking a classic martini. I assume gin with him. Do you know Charlie for a fact? Can um you, it's actually ask? some that's actually something I want to ask is what kind of martini. Yes. 
Get yeah, the full I, I, recipe. I want to know exactly how he makes it. Yeah. Uh, Is he an I'll, onion uh, guy or an olive guy? Is it a twist? <laughs> I need to know tr- these things. I'll try to. It might be something that maybe is like a like a pre-playoff type of thing. Like when, they, when they've when they clinched and yeah. everybody's a little bit more laid back. Then yeah. it's like, A.V., do you mind giving the, uh, the martini recipe? So, you know, so... Fans who want to, you know, drink along with the team in the playoffs, if they can't watch them in in the arena, you got to give them a recipe so they know what to drink. Yeah, hey, we're having we're having a watch party at Fieldhouse. We're gonna have Kevin Hayes's beer there. We need to know what kind of mixed drinks. It's the, it's it's the AV Martini. We need <laughs> AV to <Martini>. know <laughs> exactly, exactly. Can we get AV and the Ass Crew twenty twenty? Shirts printed up <laughs> for a campaign. Thank you, Flyperbole. <laughs> I got to start listening to Flyperbole. It sounds like I'm missing some good shit. It's so um, but yeah, I, I would say Torts at this point. If Columbus makes it, I think Torts wins. If Columbus doesn't make it, I think AV very well could. But I would say I think Tippett is in the mix because you talk about who did a 180. I mean, Edmonton, remember how much of a dumpster fire they were last season. I know, but they still have Connor McDavid. Like they but have two they, but guys. But they were still a dumpster fire. I know. They have two guys who are going to combine for three hundred points. Yeah. Like, it it's... has nothing to do with the coach. And they were really good last year too, and the team still sucked. Fair. Yeah, I get it. I just like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, like then Dave Haxtell deserved it the year fucking. Uh, Claude Giroux at 100 points and didn't even finish in the goddamn top three in MVP voting. There is no anti-Philly bias, but I get why people think there is. There might be. Like, it's unbelievable how they just get snubbed for these awards. And, like, AV could end up winning this thing. Uh, I don't think there are too many great cases for it. But, all right, let's move it along now. Uh, Wyatt Wiley signed. Uh, he signs his uh, ELC. He signs his ELC. I have just one question about Wyatt Wiley. Is it really W-Y-A-T-T-E? I learned that today. Apparently it is. Yeah, so did I. What in the world? Who put that E there? I have them bookmarked on Elite Prospects, and I've never noticed it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... In every We're calling him Wild E. Coyote if this is the case. There we go. No, in a, in every single like training camp and development camp list of players that we've been given, he's always had an E at the end of his first name. So unless he decided to change it or he pulled like a reverse Nicholas Grossman, I'm pretty sure he's got an E at the end of his first name. I, right. I think the problem is we have two Wyatts in the organization somehow, and the one spells it like a normal human being with no E, and I think we'd all just assumed that all of the Wyatts were spelled the same. That's my theory. Well, apparently the uh, the Flyers Twitter account thought the same thing because I they know. spelled it. They spelled it without the e. So <laughs> in turn, yeah, that was the thing that really threw me. I was like, wait, I saw it the other way just the other day, and it was like their thing. Uh, so he had sixty four points in sixty two games for the Everett Silver Tips. Uh, he signs his ELC. It starts next year. He'll have to sign an ATO to play uh, to play for the Phantoms for the rest of this year, right? Uh, yeah. I, I, I haven't gotten a read on whether that's going to happen or not. Yeah, whether or not it's going to happen. I'm just like that. Well, I mean, that... the thing is the, the Phantoms are going to make the playoffs mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. So it's not like there's, you know, a ton of urgency necessarily. Um, plus, truthfully, with everything that's going on, I mean... The yeah. Flyers may just say, like, we got you under contract. Just go home and don't get sick. Yeah. <laughs> don't leave your fucking house. Uh, so we've, we've talked a little bit about the other guys whose rights 
uh, might be expiring if the Flyers aren't to sign them by the end of the summer. Uh, Wade Allison at Western Michigan still has some conference championship games left against St. Cloud, so they've got some season left. Uh, Tanner Lazinski, uh, Big Ten tournament games and whatnot with Ohio State, so he still has some season left, so we don't have to quite worry about them yet. Uh, you've talked for you, – last time we brought this up, Charlie, I was concerned, and you said it, you have very little concern. You think that's going to get done. I, I've always thought that Wade Allison was going to sign. Um, I've never been terribly concerned about it because I just never got the vibe the Flyers were very concerned about it. Lazinski, I wondered, but Chuck Fletcher seems to be confident. We'll see. You know, you never know with these guys, especially when they're coming up on the end of their college careers. Maybe they, you know, talk with somebody from another team who, you know, promises them the moon and it's the team they grew up rooting for and they join them. You never really know. But I've always got the impression, number one, with Wade Allison, that he really, like, he really enjoys being a part of the Flyers organization. Like, he's made friends with the... um you know, with the other prospects, he's got a good relationship with the Flyers developmental staff. So I never really was that worried that he was going to bail on it. Um, Lazinski, I just didn't have as good of a read on, but the Flyers seem to be, you know, fairly confident they're going to get both of them. And that Lazinski in particular, you know, he could, Allison's just a little bit different because he's had the injuries. So you don't really know 100% where he's at and where he'll be at next year. Whereas Lazinski, I think they believe that he could potentially battle for a spot in camp next year if he signs. Huh. Be- because, well, he's he's an older player. He's physically ready. It just comes down to how good he is. And, like, you're not going to know how good he is until he goes out there against NHL players in camp and see if he can stand up. And if he does, there's not going to be any... Like, if he's, he's the kind of guy where if he looks good in camp and he's scoring and he's making plays, there's no worry that he can't play in the NHL. It's just whether he can play in the NHL from a talent standpoint. Mm-hmm. From a physical yeah. standpoint, I don't think there's many worries about him. So he's a guy where, you know, he could be in the mix if they sign him. And that's, I guess, another reason why I think, you know, I would think it would be attractive for him to sign with the Flyers because he will have looked at what happened this year with all the guys who got their NHL shots and think, you know, hey, this team doesn't shy away from giving people a chance if they're playing well, and I'm a confident guy. I believe I'm going to play well, so I believe I'm going to get my shot. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't make the team out of camp, you always know there's a shot you end up here. We saw it uh, We saw it a ton this year, up and down. We're going to wrap things up in a minute, but I just want to – I got to ask this. I did the Philly Sports Table show today. Uh, always a great time talking to them. But uh, I, I just wanted to ask you guys, because it, it got asked of me today, pick one, the, the opponent you would like to see most in the first round and a team you want to avoid. Uh, I said, I, listen, I would love to win the division and get, a, uh, and get a wild card team in the first round. That would be great. But I want to avoid the Islanders at all costs because for some reason the Flyers just play like shit on Long Island. They don't, I don't know, they just, the Islanders seem to have the Flyers' number. And a round one matchup with Pittsburgh with the first two games at home, man, this city would be buzzing. So that's my answer. What do you guys, uh, an opponent you want to see and an opponent you want to avoid in the first round? I want Washington in the first round. I don't think it's possible at this point for it to happen, but that's what I would love. Um, I just think the Flyers could beat them in a seven-game series. I don't, I don't think I want to play Carolina in the first round. I just feel something about the way they play. I don't know. 
The way they that they smother in- teams is kind of yeah. It's a little. It worries me a bit. I, I had similar concerns about Carolina, but they did look good against them yeah. this past week. You know, that was the first time I thought they played them and they really outplayed them. You know, they won a couple games uh, earlier in the year against them, but that was the first game where I watched them and I was like, yeah, the Flyers looked like the better team by a fairly substantial margin and it gave me more confidence that in a series they'd be able to take advantage of, you know, Number one, Carolina's defense, which isn't all that good anymore. Number two, their goaltending, which yeah. I don't think was ever that good. No, uh, but I agree. They're they're not a team I'm like itching to face. I, I would say, I would say Columbus is probably the team I'd want to face the most. I just don't think they're that great, and I think the Flyers would would ultimately take them apart. Um, I don't share your concerns about the Islanders because I just don't think they're very good, and I think that over a series that would come out like that's that's the team i think the flyers have the biggest talent advantage over and i believe over a long series that would that would show itself um teams i don't want to see the flyers face i don't want to see them face tampa but i don't think they would until the third round anyway Mm -hmm. i just i just don't think that's at all a good matchup for the flyers yeah that's one of those good problems like i don't want to run into tampa But if we do, it means we're in the Eastern Conference Finals, so cool. I'll take it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, beyond them, I I worry about a Pittsburgh series, not necessarily because I don't think the Flyers could win it, because I think they could. Like, I don't know if I would I – don't, I don't know if I would – well, I don't gamble, but, like, I don't know if I would put money on them winning, but I think they're capable of winning. The problem is I don't know if – I don't know if they're capable of beating Pittsburgh and then winning another round. Mm. I, I just think that series would be such a war. That, that would be – that you're oh. going to yeah you're going to come out of that and you're going to be so drained that you're losing next round. A lot like 2012, that first round matchup was the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Like that they looked disengaged in that second round series against uh, New Jersey. It was like, fuck, we just played the hardest series. W- w- really? We got to do this again? <laughs> 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 so yeah, I I see that. I just think it would be so much fun. It would be a lot of fun. Finally like getting over on them again would be a big deal but yeah mm-hmm. no it's it's not like i think oh yeah they definitely win that and then they definitely go on to win the next two series too like i don't know i just think it would be a lot of fun all right uh do we have anything else anything else i don't i don't think so all right so wash your it. hands everybody yeah, yeah wash your hands and your ass that is all the time we sure charlie, charlie <laughs> just shaking his head <laughs> Charlie has, like, legit concerns about this because he has to go to arenas and shit for his job, and he has not taken well to my constant joking, (laughs) even though I'm the sick one. (laughs) I understand the severity. You all should wash your ass as well as your hands. All right. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Just go to uh, wherever you find podcasts, search Broad Street Hockey, hit subscribe. It is that easy. So much content delivered to you daily. You can't even keep up with it, but you can sure as shit try. All right, that is it for Charlie and Kelly. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!